Shumai Achroiso. Hello and welcome to the New York Welsh podcast, the podcast that celebrates Welsh success stories in New York while hopefully inspiring the creation of some new ones. My name is Gideon. And I am Richard. Today we have a very special rugby-themed episode in celebration of the recent victory of Wales in the Six Nations and the Grand Slam. This was recorded the day after the uh, Wales Island game. Where did where did you did you watch the game, Gideon? Were you able to? I was on an aeroplane. I know. I wasn't thinking when I booked my flight. I was just looking for the cheapest option. Always check the Six Nations schedule before booking flights. It never changed. It's always around the same time. I know. Anyway, regardless, we have a rugby-themed podcast. Um, we are we were lucky to be joined by James Bird, who is a rugby player and consultant for PwC. Yeah, he's the fly half for the New York-based Old Blue RFC, who he has played for since moving to the US in 2013. Yeah, in 2016, he actually became eligible and ended up representing the USA national team in the America's Rugby Championship, which is the American equivalent of the Six Nations. Uh, Very good. On this episode, we talk about the growing game in the USA, the challenges of balancing rugby with a corporate career, and where to get married if you're planning a quintessential New York wedding. Yes, so we give you the one and only James Bird. So James, you had a game yesterday. How'd you guys get on? Yeah, we, um, it was an early kickoff. We won, I think it was like 45-12, something like that. So uh, it's a nice time of year to be playing because the sun's out and uh, kind of getting out through winter. And it's good to, good to have a run out. Yeah, it's almost perfect, perfect conditions. Is this was first game of the season? or uh, It's the third now. Um, so we're in the kind of still pre-season mode, but ramping up. We'll play the, um, basically it's like the national championships for all the club sides. Um, and the playoffs kick in around mid-April. So we've got a few games and we're into like the business end of, uh, of the season. And where's your club grounds? The grounds, we share a ground with um, Columbia University. So we play up at there. It's called Baker Field. Uh, it's literally right at the top of Manhattan. Um, so it takes about an hour from, uh, from where I live. Uh, and we play on the, uh, the American football field there in the stadium, which is uh, pretty unique. Yeah. So how's the size of the pitch? How does that need? change or is it it's well the markings are um i mean it's a it's a, it's a normal sized pitch just that you have to kind of deal with the the football markings uh and the rugby pitch is kind of overlaid on top of that so right can cause some confusion if you're used to playing on a football field for some of the americans but has anyone ever like put a ball down thinking it's got a try and they've actually yeah i've seen a couple of them yeah i mean it happens i think it happens more often in some of like lower level leagues right um because when you get to like the old blue level i think boys know what they're doing and yeah uh, but yeah you've seen a couple of things where boys will run out of play or think they've run out of play and stop and uh actually they're perfectly fine which is quite funny nice um what season is this now for you how many years has it been at old blue so i moved over 2013 so it's been my sixth sixth year with them nice and how's how's that been were you Kind of, if you has the club, I guess, changed during that time? And yeah, I think every year in America, the standard um, raises another level because there, there's more there's more player involvement. There's um, the coaching's improving, um, so I've seen it. It's been a real transition in the last six years. Was um, it's a lot more professional uh, professionalism in, in the game now, which is great. And I think having major league rugby and having new players come over from overseas, um, you know, from back home, has kind of brought the level up again. Mm-hmm. And everyone's had to kind of raise their game to match that so um, considering where the club was six years ago and where it is now it's, it's a different it looks like a different club 
Yeah, right. It's always been my perception that um, a lot of the players on the American teams are from Britain or Ireland. Yeah, there's... Um, it's probably about 30%. Oh, I would have thought uh, more. And it changes. Yeah, there's, there's a fair few kind of overseas-born um, players who have kind of moved over or have passport or connection um, to America and, and then they get involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the core of the team is, 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 is American. Hmm. So, how, so tell us, how did, uh, how did it all happen with you? Like, what, at what point was it? How did, yeah, how did it happen? Do you get scouted? <laughs> like, what, what's the... Yeah, so back um, before kind of Major League Rugby, uh, the old blue uh, league, that standard was kind of the top club, club level standard. So coaches were watching all the games, the videos of the games. Um, some of them were like televised on internet TV and things like that, so they could watch it live. Um, and I'd be, when I first moved over, I, I just started playing just as a way to have like 50 mates, basically, in, in, a, in a new city because I moved over on my own. And... Uh, had played a, a fairly decent standard back home and um, was playing well for the club. Had been here, I think the, the window of eligibility was three years. Mm-hmm. So I'd lived here for three years and the timing worked out perfectly with the American Rugby Championship, the mm-hmm. ARC, which is the equivalent of the Six Nations for, for America. Uh, that was kicking off in early February and my three years was up in early January. So I got the call on the day of my three year actually from uh, from the team manager and the coach. Uh, they pulled me in and I started that first game then four weeks later, which was, uh, oh. was awesome. So you're like the US equivalent of Hadley Parks. In that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll it, take it. Wasn't it similar with him? I think it was yeah. like one of his last days before the rules changed from three to five years. Yeah, they, exactly. They, they capped exactly. him against South Africa. Yeah. No, I was just really lucky with timing and uh, I was playing well at the time and, and got the nod, which was, it was, it was a huge honor. Like if really never thought I'd, uh, wearing an American jersey singing the anthem you know but it was, uh, it was really cool but especially as a fly half too because I mean you're, you're the you know, pivotal leader of the team yeah I, it was it was quite an interesting position to come in as you know you've got all these players around you who are um, you know 50 caps 30 caps have been to World Cups uh, and it was after actually it was after the last World Cup um, and so a lot of the players had either retired or kind of stopped playing at the international level so it was a fairly new squad with some of the kind of old heads still kicking about and a lot, a lot of the leaders and the experienced guys so they made it really easy for me to kind of slot in uh, and feel confident enough to to talk as much as I do in a, in a team environment and uh, there was never an issue you know it was quite intimidating at first but once you're into a camp and you know you've got a game on on the Saturday you need to just front up and, and just get it done I think yeah and I imagine that step I imagine the level of professionalism is was, was like a massive golf from what was I know when we'll get on to talking about major rugby now but um, you know, from what the level you had been playing, effectively working at the same time, to then yeah. suddenly being, you know, thrust into this. You know, I'm, I'm sure from well, it's I'm sure not funded like other countries. It's still the US, and any major sport has at a national level. I'm sure pretty good. Yeah, I mean, so there's, there's a lot of those boys are um, playing in in the Premiership back home uh, mm-hmm. or kind of full time with clubs overseas. I think the biggest challenge was just getting your body ready for it because in in any given week in a in a test week you're covering a lot of ground your body's getting put through a lot of um you know a lot of stress and when you're training part-time and having to fit it around work and get your body ready for six weeks basically of um six days a week training and playing uh the load is a lot to take so it was a it was a big step up in that regard yeah um it was great. I, I loved it. Like just being in that environment and, and being around those boys and, uh, you know, getting to play some top level rugby was just, it was great. And it starts to show kind of how having 
the highest standard of club rugby in America, Major League Rugby is starting to filter through to the international team. Mm. Um, who, who are the other teams in it? So, so it's, it's um, the USA, Canada, which mm-hmm. is always a great rivalry, um, Chile, Brazil, uh, Uruguay, and then Argentina. And it's normally like an Argentina second team. Right. So it's an Argentina 15. Is that six? That was five, wasn't it? USA, Canada, Chile, Brazil, Argentina. Uruguay. Uruguay. Well, and Uruguay are no mugs either. I mean, no, they were, they were really good yeah. sides. We, we played them down in Montevideo, um, and we lost actually. Um, really physical, great scrum. Yeah, um, and it, it's, it's just a, it's a really good tournament for you know even the likes of Brazil, who you wouldn't expect to be kind of offering any much on the on, yeah. the, on the rugby field. They're actually you know they, they I think they won a couple of games this year, and they've really started to improve. And I think having the, the HSB World Seven Series, where yeah. they've they're kind of in in the mix there as well. Again, has kind of raised the, the standard of playing for for countries like Brazil and Chile as well. Um, mm. So it's actually a really good competition now. Um, and, and is it similar to Six Nations, so home and away? So not home and away. Each year, it's either home or away. Exactly. Yeah. So we played um, Argentina was the first game I started uh, down in Houston. Mm-hmm. And then we played Canada in Austin the next week, uh, Chile down in Florida, and then we went to South America and did uh, Brazil and Uruguay. Wow. Uh, and then obviously the next year it, it flips. Yeah. And how did you guys do that year? <laughs> we, we drew against Argentina. Um, Are they the ones to beat, really, in yeah, that competition? They're, they're, they're Even if it's the B side, it's still got to be. Just I mean, you think about, you know, they've got guys in that side that have got 10, 15 caps for the main side. So they're not, you know, they're... Yeah. top quality players and they just know what they're doing uh, I actually had a kick to win that game in like the 79th minute and just pulled it and it would have been great if that had gone over uh, my first uh, my first that game was, that was your first that was your actual like debut or had yeah. first like test match no that was my first game oh yeah. wow so the way to start what's interesting is yeah I was, I was really happy with how I played in that game it was um, the first kick at goal was a pretty nervy moment I was just head down and just try and kick it. Was it a penalty or a it's a penalty conversion? right in front of the goal, right in front of the post, like three minutes in? I was like, if you miss this, you're uh, you're in for a long day here. So luckily, it went through, and uh, that's a nice way to start. Yeah, kind of settled into it yeah. then. So it all happened so quick. The squad got announced on the Thursday to play on the Saturday. I was told I was starting. I kind of thought I might have been, but I wasn't sure. And I, my dad was prepared. I, we'd had a conversation beforehand, looked at the fixture list, and I went in thinking. You know, Dad, I'm probably not going to be involved in the first couple of games because I'm new to the team. Uh, if we're going to target one game for you to fly over for, come for the Chile game. The, the third game, probably weaker opposition than Canada and Argentina. You know, I might get my first start there. So I ended up getting called up, started uh, against Argentina. Uh, Dad, it was too late for him to book flights. I think flights were something ridiculous like the next day. Um, so we ended up coming out for the Chile game. Uh, flew to Florida and I found out on the Wednesday I wasn't involved in the side <laughs> so he'd flown over oh, no. and uh, yeah so he didn't get to see me play but he brought the, my, two of my brothers over as well which was quite fun so you got, did you all get to watch the game together and then well I was um, you to team responsibility yeah I was 24th man so running messages on no. and, and taking care of the kicking kicking tea and things like that so we uh, the coach was actually really good I was like listen my family have come over do you mind if I have like the day off and the, the night off the night before the game oh. and he was like yeah go and enjoy yourself so that must have been a I mean a, what a roller coaster emotionally physically uh, ha, ha, what was it like just go, going back to um, I guess and, and maybe it's worth telling everyone your, your other kind of <laughs> big profession um, yeah so um, I work as a management consultant with PwC I, that's kind of how I ended up in New York was a transfer with them yeah 
PwC Price Waterhouse Cooper. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I started with them in in London. That's when I, I left Bristol University, um, and it was about eighteen months. And there was an opportunity, and uh, on the back of the financial crisis, actually. So kind of post two thousand and eight, uh-huh. we were doing a lot of work, um, regulatory work, and things like that. <laughs> Uh, and when we came over, you know, there was there was a, a project over here, and they just needed people, mm-hmm. and so I was I was chosen to to come over for six months originally um, with with PwC. Loved it here, um, you know. They really looked after us. Had a great apartment, and um, the guys I was working for asked if I wanted to stay, and I, I nearly bit their hand off um, because it was. I, I just think it's it's a great city, and you know, I was happy to just do another two years. It was what I planned to do. So six months became two years, which became six years pretty quickly. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's fun trying to, trying to balance, and it has been fun trying to balance, you know, demands of clients, and it, it's a pretty full-on job. Yeah, because you have to travel, I imagine, quite a lot as consultants. Yeah, this is the challenge right now is I'm, I'm down, my client at the moment is down in Atlanta. So typical week, I'm down Monday morning, flying down to Atlanta and back Thursday. Uh-huh. Uh, which obviously makes training pretty tough and, and being with the squad. Uh, but they, to be fair to PwC, they've been, they've been great in terms of their flexibility. Like when I was picked for America, yeah. uh, I was pretty nervous to give my boss a call and say, this has happened. Like, what does this mean? Because I was on a client and clients kind of are flexible, but they also you know, need us to get the job done. So I called my, my, my partner who I was working for at the time and he made a couple of calls to HR and like the leadership in the firm and they gave me six weeks off fully paid which was uh, wow. which was great yeah. that's brilliant and do you get if I'm honest, do you get paid for the rogue beers yeah the so they, they give you um, it's like a per diem basically to cover cover you off um, which was nice yeah it was, uh, it was great yeah and um, so yeah so what I guess yeah so you, you, you've just done that you've just you know you've played in, in that tournament and then what, you, you, you're back in work on, on Monday just consulting with your client again <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been quite yeah it's um it's a bit of an adjustment i think uh it's also so in, in this in the summer then i went away and we played uh russia and italy in the june test series and in in russia and italy no that was in um in the u.s in, in california the US, in california oh, a nice, a nice place in the world to play yeah <laughs> no training camps in san diego down at the olympic center there and the facilities are, are world class that's where the sevens boys are based and uh it's funny kind of coming off the training ground having just been beasted in a fitness session having to answer emails from your clients wow. um, and I'm not, I'm not I'm not I wasn't the only one doing that you know there's some other boys who are in the same boat who uh, it's a nice problem to have right, right. having a, a full time job and uh, but is it but how, is, is there a is there a is there cliques in that? Is there is there like oh, there's the boys who are working and the other guys who don't, or is that in, nothing, nothing like that? No, I think you know, there's like actually quite a lot of downtime right. uh, around training sessions. You can't train for eight hours a day; your body just wouldn't take it. So you know, it's two or three hours in the day, and then you get the recovery right. And there's a lot of downtime where boys are watching video and uh, analyzing kind of opposition or the training we just had. And so that's a good opportunity for us to to the boys that do have emails to step away and take a few calls and things like that. But no, there isn't really a clear, it's just one squad, you know, the boys are all there to get a job done, so. Tell us a bit about uh, RUNY. We were at the the Liberty Bar, what was it? It was the first match of the Six Nations, wasn't it? And there was a bit of a presence there from uh, these boys in these jerseys that we didn't quite recognise. Yeah, and it was the like RUN... Three times the size of anybody else in the bar. <laughs> yeah, head, head and shoulders above everyone in the room. Necks, right? yeah. uh, and... Um, yeah, they were talking a little bit about what they're doing here in New York. Yeah, so um, I mean, over the last kind of maybe 10 years, in various forms, professional rugby has been 
given a platform in America, there's been a few kind of iterations of it. Um, unfortunately, some of them, I mean, it's, it's quite tough trying to make professional rugby in America work because it's so massive and teams are flying all over the country, which is expensive, right? Um, so this version, uh, Major League Rugby, looks like it's here to stay and it, it's actually been great. You know, it's the second season now. I think there's 10 teams, maybe 12 teams in the, in the league. Um, and it, it's brilliant. I think it, it gives boys you know, an option to be full-time. Um, it gives boys money, which is, you know, all of these boys were doing it for free beforehand. Um, and it just, it gives it an opportunity to, to elevate the game again because the more boys that are full-time, skill level goes up, you pull in new players. Um, and actually, I think it exposes um, communities and, and areas of America that wouldn't necessarily have been exposed to rugby because mm. uh, it is televised and, um, you know, there's money behind it. So marketing is... Uh, is being done the right way and things like that. So, so yeah, R- Rugby United is we um, last season it was an exhibition season just to kind of test the waters more than anything. Uh, it's obviously challenging trying to find facilities, a rugby pitch in, in New York, um, and seeing kind of we. So last season was that exhibition season to test the water, and then this year they've entered the league uh, properly. And on Friday night was the first game down in Coney, first home game in New York um, so a bit of history was made down in Coney Island and uh, the boys managed to win it with a try at the death which was yeah. great that was against Toronto right? that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. so Toronto joined the league this year um, they're always a very very physical Canadian side I think the makeup of it is basically the old provisional um, Ontario they were the provisional champions in Canada for a while so right. I've had a few good run-ins with those, those boys over the years I bet um, so, so will Coney Island be the home ground or are they going to so that will be well yeah so it's MCU Park it's yeah. a, I think it's a minor league baseball stadium right there on, on the beach um, and it's, it's a pretty it's a perfect facility for, for the team I think the other option was uh, Gaelic Park yeah. which is where some of the Gaelic footballs played just in across the river in the Bronx yeah. oh. um, I, I, you know I don't know why they, they went with the baseball stadium but actually there was about we were three and a half thousand people down there. I think some of the New York Welsh lot went down yeah. as well. Yeah, I think um, we we sent a, a contingent. Yeah, I was out of town. Yeah, but, uh, no, it was a good day. I think uh, you know certainly the players were were really happy to be playing rugby in front of a crowd like that at home. Yeah, um, and hopefully you know that will start to build. I think. Well, to your point, it expands it out. Because so, I think historically, uh, my perception is the game in the US is very much now associated around maybe universities and a lot around maybe people who don't make it in NFL. Yeah. Um, and get into that, that it gives them another way to potentially get into maybe something like the Olympics that does now you know have rugby. And you can yeah, I think your average American's exposure to rugby is um, like the the drinking culture they saw in the the club side of college. Uh-huh. Uh, and they did. I think a lot of people, when you tell them there's this whole professional league kicking off now, and um, it takes them back a bit because they they didn't really realise that that was a, a thing in America. You know, it was mm. guys that just wanted to play sport and and have a beer with their friends at college. Um, and now having having this league is is great. I think for the game in America. Yeah, I remember I actually played a game. I played for the. Um, I used to play for this touring side called the Willing. Um, and I flew over and played the, played in the St Patrick's Day tournament. Um, in, God, it would have been 2009 and uh, yeah we won 10 we, years ago exactly yeah we bet. St. Patrick's Day yeah, today this weekend we, went out, <laughs> we, we beat uh, West Point in the final oh yeah uh, yeah I actually got my my picture was on the back page of the Savannah Morning Times for oh, kicking the uh, um, winning goal oh yay so there you go nice um, yeah it was a fun old time but uh, yeah that definitely wasn't didn't have a f- 
but far from professionalism from the professional world that you're describing uh, today it's all the same um, isn't it when you're uh, yeah, and we'll, playing with your mates yeah we'll leave it at that but um what, so what do you think of they've got it right this year like you said about a couple of cracks it is it is it just the proper funding for the players or are there other things that yeah it's a good question i think um i think people have, have tried to make it happen but have had some conflicting kind of ideas about how to make it work i think the the last version of it was centrally owned by one guy and he kind of funded the whole thing um and obviously for for one person to do that it takes a lot of money to pay salaries travel and all the rest of it and i think um it wasn't done in the right way that last time and i think some of the players got um messed around a little bit like there were some boys came from overseas and i think some of them didn't get paid and things like that which isn't the right way to go and that that league disbanded um and then coming out of that you know the 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 appetite was there because there were six or seven teams across America with a fan base with facilities based on that on that previous uh, previous version of the league and I think this was the right time and there was enough um, momentum behind it to make it work this time yeah um, you know time will tell if it if it does or if the model changes but it looks like it's here to stay and it's actually been done really well you know the teams have got their their act together the playing pool is is that much stronger there's a load of overseas players that have come in uh, which has helped and helped bring up the standard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just think the the timing has worked out perfectly and the right people are now running these teams to make it make it stick, which is great. So from your perspective now, it's, it's I guess, play for Old Blue, play as much as you can and train as much as you can when you can and just hope that, you know, when if, if an opportunity comes up, you're ready to... Yeah, I've... Um, play. I've had I've had pretty honest conversations with the coaching staff and the management. I think I've tried to be as, as, as transparent with them as I can with my work schedule, and unfortunately, that has to come first. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to be in a position where I was in New York and able to train, uh, but unfortunately, with, with work, it's, it's not possible at the moment. Uh, and I've said, you know, if, if a couple of the boys get injured and, and you need some cover, um, I'm sure we could make something work on a, on a temporary basis at least. Um, to help help the team out, and I think Marshy, the, the the ten for Rooney right now is, is hurt at the moment. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, I, the the good thing about Old Blue is like I don't want to stop playing because I really really enjoy it, and it's great being out with my mates and and doing it. Um, the, the nice thing about Old Blue is Dom, the coach, is is really kind of easy um, easy going with. He understands my working schedule and. It's not ideal being a ten and not being able to train as much with the team, but he's uh, he's pretty good with it, and you know the boys understand it as well, which is quite nice. And as you said, I've just got to keep playing, and, and if my opportunity comes with Rooney and we can make it work, then you know I just have to to take that opportunity. Yeah. Should we skip on to your favourite segment? <laughs> or is it general knowledge quiz? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, my fav- my favourite bit is always talking about home. So I was born, uh, born and raised in Cardiff, uh, in Thornhill. Actually, was the uh, the neighbourhood of Cardiff in the in the suburbs. Uh, I got got three brothers, so we basically just played rugby the whole time growing up and uh, beat each other up a lot. Um, most of my family's still there. Uh, the youngest brother now lives in London, but the uh, the two other boys are uh, still in Cardiff, and it's always great going back and uh, seeing them and spending some time at home. And have you have you spoken to them since yesterday? How was Cardiff last night? I think they're still drunk, probably, as most of Wales probably is as well. Um, I'd love to have been there, actually. I think Cardiff on a Grand Slam, or Cardiff on an international day is one of the best places in the world, I think. But when we've won the Grand Slam as well, it it really tees off. So, yeah, I was pretty jealous not to be there. Yeah. 
absolutely. I can't imagine. Um, and and I'm right in thinking you you went to primary school with Sam Warburton. Is that right? That is right. Yeah, yeah. Sam. Uh, yeah, I was really lucky actually because he's you know to think what he's gone on and done, captain the Lions, and um, he's such a he's just such an honest, down to earth guy. And I think he you know he's the most popular man in the world because <laughs> you can't, there's not a bad word to say about him. You know. Uh, it's actually really nice when I got capped Sam actually sent me a, a really nice text and we you know we occasionally text each other and, and stay in touch and my uh, you know my family see him a fair amount he still lives in Rabina he's got, yeah. uh, got a lovely little family is he there. as nice as a human being is he yeah like he's, time? he's just honestly he's just like <laughs> the most down to earth bloke in the world yeah. and uh, you know I think he's stopped because his, his body just couldn't couldn't hack it anymore and I think he's at his happiest he, he seems at his happiest when he's with his family so I'm, uh, I'm delighted for him and obviously you know just I think we, uh, given that we went to different high schools, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of drifted a little bit apart, but played together the whole way through. And uh, it's just, a, it's just amazing to see what he's gone on and done, and being an absolute legend now. Nice. So, for, for what point for you was it? Because um, obviously, you, um, it's a great career at PwC. At what point did you go? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to balance, you know, my potential, you know, professional career with. Um, you know, potentially going professional in rugby. Like, how did you how did you manage that as you were kind of developing? And what what is that like as a? Because I imagine there's a lot of pressures and priorities that you have to juggle. Yeah. in those types of situations. I think, it, if I'm honest, I don't think a career in rugby was ever a realistic option for me. Um, you know, when I was 18, I probably wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I definitely have improved in terms of my my playing standards since since then. But the decision was almost made for me when. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't even an interest in, in taking it any further, and I was always always had my eye on university. Uh-huh. Uh, and where, where did you go to university? I went to University of Bristol. Bristol, right. yeah. So I did I did a year out from Cardiff. Uh, when, when I left Cardiff, I went and um, lived in New Zealand for a year, which was great. Oh, nice. Where did you? Whereabouts? Uh, There's a little town called Omaru, about three hours uh, south of Christchurch. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I went. Uh, yeah, I did spend some time. Did were you playing there as well? Yeah, I played for. Um, or the regions north of Targa, but played for uh, Omaru Athletic was the, was the club, which was great. You know, yeah. I was eighteen, and uh, instead of just doing a gap year and going to sit on a beach somewhere, I wanted to do something, and, and it was great being a part of that community. And I was working in uh, building roofs, which I hope there's no heavy snow in New Zealand because uh, I wasn't exactly qualified. <laughs> <for that. laughs> um, but yeah, it was great. You know, I was uh, just a part of this small town in New Zealand, and uh, obviously they've had a some tragic news this week with that shooting it's mind-blowing really um but yeah they're, they're, i mean they're such easygoing people the kiwis and uh, they're rugby mad as well so it was quite an easy transition from wales down there so it's a lot like wales actually i think new zealand is uh, it's a great country yeah i think that too yeah so from there back to bristol and then there was a move to london somewhere yep so i did uh, did three years at bristol and uh, played some great rugby there i got you know some of my best mates um from uni and a couple of them have gone on like Tom Mitchell's the England Sevens captain right now oh, he was uh, he's one of my best mates from uni and uh, it's great to see what he's done since kind of moving on because it's not your typical route for professional sports um, you know professional athlete to go through university and do three years and then go and, and start a career in rugby so you know it's, it's great to see what he's done so yeah I did my, um, my why, do, why do you think that is? Like versus, is it, is it the distractions or the? Well, I think because um, you've got players that maybe have been in a professional setup and continue to maybe study. Yeah, but they've maybe had themselves in a different environment versus been in the university environment and playing rugby. Yeah, exactly. I think um, 
It's a couple of things. I think as the game has really kind of embraced professionalism, you know, it hasn't been professional that long. So there hasn't ever really been a, a, a platform for players to get picked up at 18 and get paid from 18. So it used to happen where boys would go to university and then play through it. Uh-huh. But now that we're in kind of fully professional, have been for a number of years now, um, I think players get picked up at 18 are in a full-time rugby environment at 18. And as you said, they'll study on the side mm-hmm. rather than be you know, a university student first and then go on to, to play rugby. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the demands of professional sport require that players are picked up. Like, the foot, you know, like Gareth Bale, he was full-time at 16 and uh, had to fit his studies around that. And I think rugby's gone a similar way. Yeah. And how does your family feel about you being uh, all the way over here? <laughs> Um, I, I think, you know, I, I have a conversation with my brothers every now and then um, about being away. And, and it, it's it's a long way away, but it's actually really easy to get home as well. You know, you can leave 10 o'clock and be home by lunchtime, you know, even to Cardiff. It's a two-hour drive from Heathrow and it's it's not the end of the world. And they, they come over all the time and I think they like having somewhere they can stay for free in New York, which yeah. is uh, which is nice. <laughs> and uh done like a few golf trips and things like that where they've come over so yeah it's great I'm really lucky that you know they're able to come over and I love having them over because it's uh, it's a great city to show people around yeah and they were excited about um, their soon to be uh, American member of the family uh. yeah they um, so my my fiance Jackie is, uh, has been over and uh, you know my whole family love her and I think they're really excited for our, our wedding in October Congratulations again! And um, are you? Are you is, is the wedding going to be in the UK or over here? Over here? Same. We're doing it in uh, the boathouse in Central Park. Oh, so, fancy! Yeah, forward to that. Yeah, we got really, really lucky, and we had um, we had all these like viewings upstate in the Catskills and things like that because we're doing it in the fall. I thought it would be really nice with uh, oh, yeah. some of the foliage there. Uh, and the, the boathouse was the first one we we looked at. And I kind of walked out with a big smile on my face, but didn't want to push it because, you know, it's her decision ultimately. And she looked at me and said, you know, this is the one. I was like, yes, absolute result. Um, it's going to be great because, you know, if we were going doing it upstate, we'd have to bus people up there. And there's a lot of people coming over from Wales and, and the UK. So it's perfect. People can stay where they want. They can do what they want. And Oh, but it'll be such an iconic experience for them well, and for you as well. Yeah. You know, a Central Park wedding. That's yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's not lost on me. I'm uh, really lucky, you know, and I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be great. Oh, congrats. How did, how did, you, how did you guys meet? Uh, we actually worked together. Uh, so we were on... Um, uh, pro- I've known, known Jackie for about six years now, and uh, we worked on a project together for two years. Uh, and we weren't, you know, we were both kind of seeing other people at the time. And uh, it was actually after I came back from, uh, from the rugby, the six weeks away. Best physical shape of your life. Yeah. And she's like, oh, hello, James. A bit of, <laughs> a bit of a South American tan. <laughs> Like now is the time. I'm, uh, this is the time yeah. <laughs> to make um, a move. So yeah, we like we were best mates, uh, best mates for a while and work, which is nice. And then um, obviously started dating, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, well, congratulations, and uh, yeah, look forward to the fall. So one of the things we we often ask is, you know, if people used to be to have any advice, um, I guess to, to anyone either back home who is uh, potentially thinking about using their a company a, a corporation to travel overseas or, or even someone who's interested in you know exploring rugby opportunities perhaps outside of the UK even taking advantage of um, you know opportunities out here I mean do you have any thoughts on yeah I, th- on I think um, you know, a few people have asked now we're looking to do it from back home mm. and uh, they've reached out obviously if there's any doubt just do it because you can always reverse that decision and move back 
um, you know, I think it can be quite intimidating thinking about moving overseas. And, um, you know, if you're, you're looking, the further you go, the more intimidating it becomes. But, like, absolutely go and do it because you learn a lot about yourself, I think, when you put yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, and I think it's a great way to do that. And companies are normally pretty good with, you know, if you wanted to go mm. that route with looking after you, I mean, you guys probably know, but they'll... Um, you know, they'll help with the move. They maybe put you up in accommodation for a bit and things like that. So it's, it's a great way to see the world, I think. Um, so that would be my first, first thing is just absolutely go and do it. And then from a rugby perspective, rugby was a great platform for me and it made moving here the easiest thing in the world because I immediately had 50 guys that I could go for a, a beer with and, and almost like a support network overnight, you know, which was um, hugely relieving for me, I guess, because, you know, like I said, it can be intimidating. So if, play, you know, if players are back home looking about maybe a bit of a loss with uh, with their careers absolutely go and do it even if it's France or you know going down under or something like that or coming to the States there's, there's so much opportunity and if you can make it happen you know you'll be all the better for it Would you say this is uh, like peak opportunity time now in the States just yeah, more I, so than previous years? I'm actually surprised there aren't more Welsh players uh, kicking mm. about in, in Major League Rugby there's a lot of Irish boys that have come over and I think some of the connection has been through some of the team owners uh, uh, and there's a big you know there's a big Irish presence here anyway especially in New York um, yeah, the Irish have never been shy of travelling yeah <laughs> we, I don't think we're, we're quite the quite no the same. no we, we're not um, but yeah I, I think there, there's definitely opportunities for uh, for Welsh players to um, to, and if, if they do get an, if they do get that chance you know grab it with both hands and, yeah. and embrace it I mean aside from uh, New York who, who are the other the, you said there was 12 teams I think I might have got that wrong oh well I want to hold you to it but wh- wh- who are the who are the main towns uh, the okay. teams are the good cities yeah so we've got um, obviously New York um, there's a team that isn't in the league right now but it's going to be the the um, the New England Free Jacks so that's in Boston mm. um, and we've had you know there's a lot, we know a lot of those boys and there's a lot of kind of a close group there so the, the teams are New Orleans Seattle, obviously New York, uh, Glendale, which is in Denver, huh. um, which is an amazing setup. Yeah, they're a big. Denver's like a hotbed, isn't it, of rugby? I yeah, think. so USA Rugby is based there. Yeah, uh, in terms of their the corporate headquarters, uh, and they have this like rugby town setup. The mayor of Glendale basically said rugby is going to be our thing, uh, and built this stadium, and it's a rugby specific stadium. It's probably the best in the country. It's it's really cool. I actually, play, I played in another thing randomly with that. And, Tens tournament in Aspen. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's great. That Roggerfest, right? Yeah, that's I got pummeled by. A, Did you? Yeah, yeah. I think some the, Den- the local team, Glendale. Uh, I think it was. It was at the time. Yeah, was. they're strong. They got a lot of the US boys kicking about. So, um, so the teams are New Orleans, Seattle, New York, Glendale, and Denver, San Diego, Toronto is the only Canadian side, uh, and then Utah, Houston, and Austin. Mm. Wow, those so, are. Really cool towns. Yeah, there's some great <laughs> like cities. Austin, right? New yeah. Orleans, Seattle. Um, yeah, even Boston. It's kind of been where a lot of the so the, we're talking about old blue. There's always been that club network, and I think the the rugby communities have kind of centered in around those. The traditionally like kind of stronger club sites have now all got a professional team because the the infrastructure and the players were there as well. Yeah, um, but the co- you just maybe realize the cost of traveling. Yeah. Is, is enormous versus like if we think traveling in a, a domestic league in England or Wales yeah you know, it's half an hour an hour to drive for some yeah you're talking six hours hour yeah six seven hour flight exactly yeah. it's a flight back home basically yeah. for, for 40 people and you know when you took coaches physios management and, and the full side as well it's, it's it quickly adds up so and that's why that's what I was saying earlier is 
you know economically just trying to get this thing off the ground is a challenge to begin with but it looks like you know it looks like they've done it well and uh, I think it'll go from strength to strength cool well um, this has been a lot of fun Um, I'm really glad that you decided to come on James Um, yeah it's I think it's awesome uh, that you've managed to find this way to thread this needle between two careers and um, yeah wish you all the best for both of them um, and obviously for the for the wedding in the fall thank you and thanks for uh, thanks for having me on you're very welcome thanks for coming on cheers bud well we hope you enjoyed listening and if you did then please subscribe and leave us a review as long as it's positive the more people review the show the more people will get to hear it yeah and if you'd like to get in touch with us then please do the email is podcast at newyorkwelsh.com or you can contact us through any of the socials both our instagram and twitter are at newyorkwelsh and if you'd like to stay up to date with the latest goings on you can do so by subscribing to the monthly newsletter on our website newyorkwelsh.com